0: So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. The grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be on every mind and rest in every heart gathered here today. I'd like to welcome those who are worshiping with us in the Family Life Center into this moment of study and those who are online. I want to welcome you as a part of our extended JCBC family. And before we begin today, in part three of our ongoing study we have some special uh folks i want to recognize who are with us in worship today um here in the sanctuary and i'm going to ask you my friends if you would just stand right where you are this is the faculty of the jcbc uh, midweek preschool here uh, through the week would you welcome them yeah just remain standing so these these women love and serve and nurture and grow children all through the week uh, in the love of christ as they begin to shape these these hungry minds and hearts uh, all through the week as an extension of our love and care we want to welcome you to worship under the leadership of ansley hall our preschool director but i'm going to ask you to keep standing for just a minute because we're going to say a prayer for you Uh, but not not just you our friends we want to also recognize something In our congregation are many, many, many who are in the education, uh, in the school system, in the the local school systems, in education in some way or another. If you are a teacher, but but not only a teacher, if you're a teacher, if you serve in administration at any level, at a local school or county level, if you serve to, to, to give kids food at lunch, if you're in the cafeteria... If you drive a school bus, if at any point in your day you are serving the needs of our school systems in the area, uh, would you stand to your feet right where you are, please? Okay, good, good, good. Remain standing. Yes. Both here as well as in the Family Life Center, I want you standing as well if you are serving in the school systems because we want to say a prayer for you because church we need to pray for those who are serving in our schools we need to pray for not only their safety uh, but their sanity amen teachers I am married to one of these she's not in this room because she's holding a baby she's teaching babies downstairs right now even as we speak but I'm telling you we love you and we respect what you do on a day-to-day basis and we simply want to pray for you right now as your church body so the rest of us would you bow your heads in prayer god we lift up these who are standing among us because we recognize that they have said yes to serve in a unique way Uh, your children scattered all around our neighborhoods and school systems both here in our preschool and in the public and private schools all around our church all around what we call our neighborhood We lift them up and we pray that in in ways far beyond our capacity to even imagine, you, you would work in them and through them to help lights come on for children, uh, for uh, discoveries to be made in students of all ages. I pray that you, your your spirit, the very presence of of your Holy Spirit would so reside in the minds, the hearts, the bodies, the, the words of these teachers and administrators, that you would love these children through our teachers. We pray for their protection. We pray for their sound mind and peace of heart. We pray, Lord, for their school year as it now begins, that it would be the best in memory. We lift them up to you now, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of life. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. Now, if you will turn with me to Psalm 33. Our text this morning will come from one verse of Scripture. Psalm 33, and I want you to hear these words. Psalm 33, verse 3. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout aloud. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout aloud. Let's pray together. God, even in this moment of study and prayer, we acknowledge that we can gather in a space and be in a thousand different spaces. We acknowledge, Lord, sometimes it takes a while for the mind, the heart, the soul to catch up with the body. And right now we pray that you would empower your worshipers to be so present, to be so attentive to your word that we we might be transformed because of it. God, we have brought into this space and into this moment a variety of hurts and hopes a variety of pain and pursuit. We have all kinds of expectations and maybe none at all. We pray that you would meet us right where we are, that none of us would be able to leave the same. We pray in the name of Christ, the Lord of life. Amen. Amen. So today is the third part Of an ongoing series that we're calling that kind of church and we're spending some time these several weeks talking about what it is that makes jcbc jcbc all of of the distinct characteristics and virtues and and core values all of the convictions that make us who we are that make up what we call the jcbc experience and the first two weeks Two weeks ago, I began laying what I hope can be a a foundation for this conversation. In the first week, we talked about how everything we ever attempt to do here, if it has any hope of thriving or even surviving, it has to be built on nothing more than, nothing less than, and nothing other than the sure and certain foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of life, the cornerstone of the church, the foundation, the rock upon which we are built. And after that, the second week, which was last week, we talked about, so what is it that makes us Baptist? What kind of Baptist are we? There are like 31 flavors of Baptist just in our neck of the woods. Who are we? And we talked last week about certain freedoms that comprise our identity as Baptist. We talked about soul freedom and Bible freedom and church freedom and and how we espouse religious freedom for all peoples. And with that foundation laid for the first two weeks, now we begin an exciting part of the series in which we start to look at the seven distinct core values that make us who we are. Beginning today with a conversation about worship. In your worship guide, there is an insert we're putting out in front of us every week that describes each of the seven core values. And today we're talking about worship. And I want you to hear these words let them kind of fall on your ears we value excellence in worship listen to these words believing god is the one and only object of true worship and further believing that god is deserving of the very best we can offer we value excellence in all expressions of worship we especially value worship that is spiritually inspiring and intellectually stimulating, placing our highest value on excellence in preaching and music. And thank God for excellence in music because we're trying in the other category. But this is what we say and this has come to us over years of conversation. We've been in dialogue uh, intentionally about worship since like 2015. Who are we? How do we worship? Why do we have two venues, and and what does it mean to actually be in worship with one another? We've been talking about that so so deeply for the last four years, uh, and in some ways the last six years, but if you want to know what we mean when we talk about worship, we have had two very significant sermon series already in the last few years that I want to refer you to. They're on our website, and you can go back and watch them. Uh, One of them is called Heart of Worship. It's about a six or seven part series about the nature of worship. What does it mean to actually be in worship, not just in this building, but in your life? Another sermon series that we pursued was uh, Magnificent Obsession. What does it mean not to have a uh, traditional style of worship or a contemporary style of worship, but we talked about the worship style that we celebrate most at Johns Creek Baptist is a lifestyle of worship. We talked about that magnificent obsession of pouring out your heart and your your life, your pursuit before the one and only worthy one. Now, I want you to go and check those out on our our website. Those are two um, robust sermon series where we talk about the nature of what worship actually is, right? But today, I want us to drill down even further specifically in one area. What does it mean when we say that we value excellence in worship? I mean, what does it even mean? Because that word can mean so many different things to different people. So I want to talk about what excellence in worship is all about, what we mean when we say excellence in worship at Johns Creek Baptist. And maybe the best way to start talking about what excellence in worship is, is to start by talking about what excellence is not. We'll start with the via negativa. We'll start with what it's not. And and I want to start by saying that excellence is not perfection excellence is not perfection perfection is a kind of illusion really it's a kind of pursuit that will always end in disappointment and why because there is no one perfect except one each of us every one of us is imperfect and we have unfinished stories and so the pursuit of excellence in worship is not about perfection in worship now don't get me wrong when we gather with each other i will tell you i'll tell you the truth that there is something that gets perfected in us i mean when we come in here and we are authentic and we are genuine we are real when we gather before god with one another there is a sense in which everything that's ugly (laughs) everything that is ego driven everything selfish begins to be transformed There is a kind of perfecting that can happen in us. And so, you know, pride can melt. Fear can evaporate. Anger can uh, dissolve. When we're in worship, that is a kind of perfecting that is happening in us because we confess and yield our lives to the one perfect one. But when it comes to excellence in worship, We're not talking about being perfect up here because God knows that's not the case. (laughs) Do you know that my wife uh, has said for a long time, one of the most meaningful parts of worship for her is when something doesn't go as it was planned. She says, when you fumble your words sometimes and have to kind of, you know, or, or when the technology maybe is at a, at a glitch or the music, maybe the, 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 the music doesn't work or we're in the wrong key or something. She says, I really love that. And so I usually say something like this. What is wrong with you, woman? <laughs> have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? She, and she says, because she said it for a long, long time. She says, because she's right. She usually is. Because imperfection humanizes us. I had a professor who once said, You can't hit a grand slam every week in the pulpit. Somebody say, Amen. (laughs) Amen. And he said, Here's why. Not only can you not do it, but it wouldn't be honest. Because everyone who has come to worship with you that day, they are fully aware, acutely aware, of all of their shortcomings and their failures and their disappointments. And when they see a sermon that sometimes falls flat, when they see a song that sometimes falls flat, it is in another way a kind of inspiration, really, because it's a reminder (laughs) we're all broken and we're all made of the same stuff so when we say at jcbc we want excellence in worship we're not talking about perfection right but another thing that we're not talking about when we talk about excellence in worship excellence is not impressiveness to be excellent is not to be impressive i mean if that were the case then the goal every week would be uh, for, for me to impress you with words, for the choir or the band in the FLC to impress you with sight, sound, movement. But the problem with that is in being impressive is also an illusion. If I have to impress you to get you here, I've got to impress you to keep you here. And who are we trying to impress anyway, right? Isn't the one single audience member of worship the Lord our God? And how in the world are we going to impress God? This God's the one who has cattle on a thousand hills. How are you going to impress God with any words that you may speak or songs that, as if God is, is waiting. Oh, oh, this is my favorite song. I can't wait for them to sing it to me. Oh, it's so good today. Uh, no. How are you going to, here's a truth bomb for you. You you can't impress God. You can't impress God. Worship that is excellent is not about being impressive. In fact, in Amos, there's this stunning uh, declaration about what God thinks about our worship, our singing and our preaching and our acting and our giving. This is what he says in Amos chapter 5. I hate. Hate, I despise your festivals, your worship. Like a mighty stream, they had learned to offer impressive worship. It was all right. Everything was so impressive to watch. But they had forgotten how to live outside the context of worship as if their worship really mattered. They had neglected the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized. They had neglected the resident alien or the stranger in their midst. They had neglected the widow and the orphan. And as a result, God said, don't give me Your song and dance, no matter how impressive or stunning or inspiring you think it is, because I have a different standard for excellence. Worship is about how you live when you leave this place. So if excellence in worship is not about being perfect, and it's not about being impressive, what is it? Just this. Excellence in worship is bringing our absolute best before the one who is absolutely worthy. It's bringing our absolute best before the one and only one who is absolutely worthy. Now, what do I mean when I say bringing our absolute best? Because if you're not careful, you may hear those words and, and interpret me as saying, we got to bring the best parts of us. And leave like the ugly parts behind. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying bring the pretty parts, the glossed over parts, because that's what you and I do with each other, okay? Can we just be honest? We have perfected the capacity to project an image of what we want each other to see in each other. That's called ego. That's called false self. That's what you and I are really good at doing with each other. But when I say bringing the very best we have to offer. I don't mean the best foot forward. I mean something deeper. I mean bringing everything that is in you and pouring it before the one who knows you best and loves you most. It's not about faking it. It's not about a facade. In fact, some of you picked up earlier this week a buddy of mine. I went to seminary with a, a guy named Joby Martin and he posted something that got kind of viral and some of you you shared it. And I want to share it with you here. I thought it was fantastic. He said, waiting to, to, to come to the Lord when you get your life cleaned up is like waiting to go to the ER when you stop bleeding. <laughs> he doesn't love some future version of you. He loves us in our mess. So true. So when I say excellence in worship is about bringing the very best for the one who is worthy, it's not about bringing the best part of you. It's about bringing all of you. Every part to lay before him, holding nothing back. My question to you is, what have you brought into worship today that would reveal it's everything? It's all laid out before him. Take, for example, the offering in just a moment. Or I think we did it already. The offering that we just did. We did it, right? Didn't we do the offering? okay take the offering. When you bring the offering to worship, or, or you do like the rest of us do online, you do some online uh, giving, do you give the first fruits of what you've made? I mean, do you at the, at the, at the end when you, you, you get paid, do you take off the top as an expression of your gratitude for the capacity to make a living? Do you give God the first, the best, or Is it at the end of the month when everything's been paid and you've gone to the places where you've visited and you've eaten at the restaurants and bought the things and had the fun and enjoyed the comforts, whatever's left over, do you use that to tip God? (laughs) Bringing the best before God is bringing the first, the first fruit. And it's not just about that. It's about when you show up in worship. Do you actually show up in worship? Are you here? Because you can be here and not be here. You can be here and be in a thousand places. In fact, I wanna talk to my my sisters and brothers who are students, some of whom are in this room and most are are in the Family Life Center right now. I want for just about five seconds for you to kind of look up at the screen. Look up at me for just a minute. Look right up at me for just a minute. And I mean this with all respect. You know I have mad, crazy respect for all of you. However, I wanna ask you something. Have you brought the best of you into worship? Because sometimes that glow on your face in that dimly lit room reveals that you may physically be here, but not actually be here. And right now, as we are searching for a new youth pastor, oh my, the Lord laid on my heart this morning it is time for somebody among you to rise up and demonstrate no. Youth pastor or not, we are all going to stand up and be present. We're going to bring the very best part of who we are before God. We're not only going to show up, but we're going to show up. And we're going to be present. And we're going to be real. And that goes not just for our students, but for every single one of us. What does it mean to be excellent in worship? It means to actually, truly, fully be present. There is a verse that we read a moment ago. I want us to think about this verse and let it kind of fall on our hearts for just a moment. It's from Psalm 33. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. If you let that kind of settle on you for just a moment, that may be a great verse that demonstrates everything I'm trying to say about being excellent in worship. Sing to him a new song. You know, the sing to him a new song is not... uh, not just about music. Not just about music. To sing a new song means to somehow bring before the Lord something of a new expression of who you are. Use everything at your disposal, use every tool in your toolbox to bring before God something new. And it may be that bringing a new song before the Lord for you, maybe for the first time, I bring a new attentiveness to God. A new song for somebody here may be, I'm going to bring a new passion for pursuing what it is that God is asking of my life. It may be that for somebody here, it's, it's a, a new kind of yieldedness to the power of God's love moving in you and through you. So when I hear the psalmist say, hey, here's worship, sing to him a new song. Yeah, we need to sing new songs, fresh, uh, fresh songs that are written and that are, that, are, that are powerful, but it's not just about music. Is your life a song that can be offered up before the Lord? And what new part of your heart, is there any part of it that has not yet been given to God? Because maybe your new song is a new way to relinquish your life before the one who who has given you life. You know, uh, Will Durant says it this way. He says, you are what you do repeatedly excellence is not an act but a habit maybe somebody's new song is to take up a new habit of actually truly fully being attentive in worship to show up every single sunday and be fully in the room as we lay before god everything that is real and right but that text doesn't just say sing to god a new song it has a second part to it sing to him a new song Play skillfully. Now, I know it may at times seem to you that the way we plan Sunday morning is, you know, we get here on Sunday morning and we say, "Hey, what do you want to do? What do you think we ought to do today?" Uh, You know, Glenn was on vacation recently. He shared this story with me. He was on vacation and he met this couple, and they're not a Christian couple, and so the, the the context of worship and church life and that whole rhythm is unfamiliar to them. And in the conversation at dinner, uh, they said to, to Glenn, hey, you know, I met somebody recently, Glenn, who, and of course, Glenn, Glenn hadn't told them that he was a minister. See, when we do that, you all change. You do. Come on. If you meet somebody at a get-together, I'm going tonight to, 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 a, to a high school department meeting with my wife. I'm going I'm to be her guest at a, at a school. I guarantee you, if they don't know, they're going to ask me, and the conversation will change. Telling somebody that you are a pastor is a party killer. I'm just telling you the truth. So we try to delay as long as we can. I was on vacation last week, and I borrowed this from someplace that I saw. Somebody, somebody said, what do you do for a living? I'm, I do a nonprofit. I'm, I work at a nonprofit, you know. You know. <laughs> I did. I stole that from somebody I'd heard it from before. It's a fantastic way to keep the conversation going. But then Glenn said, yeah, I was in the conversation. And this guy says to Glenn, hey, I met somebody recently. And can you believe it? This guy, ugh. All he does for a full-time job, I mean, his full-time job is like music at a church. Right? Right? And he went on and on about it, and Glenn was kind, I'm sure, about it eventually. So what do you do? I do music at a church. Right? And I know it seems as if we kind of just... You know, it's very simple what happens here because sometimes it's easy to show up and we just do our thing. I know at times you think, well, how does Sean come up with his sermons? Well, it's kind of like, you know, Ooh. <laughs> Leviticus, okay, you know. <laughs> come on. <All> right. <laughs> but maybe it would help to, to give you just a little sneak peek, a little, just a little insight into our crazy world. Do you know every time you show up on a Sunday morning what has gone into getting there? So a couple times a year, I'll do a retreat. Just me, I'm silent. It's a silent retreat. I'm all by myself. And sometimes a friend will come and do the same thing. We share some space. He's a pastor as well. And we don't talk all day long. It's silent. And we're praying and discerning and reading and studying. And I'm thinking to myself at this retreat... Where have we been as a church? Where are we going as a church? What are the needs? What are some of the families going through? As I'm trying to determine what are the the series that need to come out over the next several months, and I leave that retreat with what I call sermon musings, musings. Several months' worth in which every Sunday has a text, a title, a teaser, and some tags. And I come back and I meet with my teams. I meet with my pastoral team. And sometimes children and youth try to weave into their programs what we're talking about on Sunday mornings. And then I turn and I meet with my production staff, or communications, production, graphics. And we say, okay, if this is where we're going to go, what what does the graphic need to look like? Do we need a video? Do we need a sermon bumper that plays for transitions before? What does the wall of TVs need to look like behind us? How can we communicate this online in a way that in a second they know exactly what we're talking about, but they got to get here in order to hear what we're talking about? And then they take that information, and they spend hours creating a way to communicate graphically what I'm going to have to say and preach uh, uh, hermeneutically and and homiletically up here. Then I turn to my worship team, and and my worship team, Glenn and Adam in the contemporary worship, and and Mark Smith, our, our production manager, and I explain everything I'm trying to do over the next several months, and they take the musings. And they spend time in prayer. They read the passages. They read my reflections. And then they spend some time, hours of time, because they have to plan months ahead of time to order music, organize music, cut and paste music, uh, transpose music into different instrumentation for each of the different instruments behind me and those who are on stage in the Family Life Center. And then there's rehearsal time. And then there is the, the, the fun experience of, if we're going to sing about this topic what songs do they already know, so that they can sing with confidence? And what songs need to be introduced, so that we're continually uh, growing in what we already know? And and what? What key do they need to be in? Because if they're in different keys, they need to somehow be modulated so that we can maybe start low and reflective and end up high and exuberant. Or maybe on that particular Sunday, we start up high, we, de- we go down deep into contemplation. Or maybe we plan it on a particular Sunday like a Nike swoosh. And we start up high, we get down deep, and then we end up, you know? And all of this is happening. Meanwhile, Glenn is practicing and Bob is practicing and Glenn and and Adam are continually practicing all through the week for a song set that may last seven minutes. And Mark Smith spends, I'm telling you, hours orchestrating lights to go in sync with particular songs in the Family Life Center so that if we're talking about something that swells, like the love of God, the lights in the room swell so that there is a multi-sensory experience. And then on Sunday mornings, we get here. And some get here four hours before. Some get here about seven hours before. And rooms have to be set up. Stages have to be set. Practice and rehearsal. And I sit up here in the booth with these guys. We have three guys in the booth here, two in the production room downstairs, one behind each of our three cameras, three in our front of the house booth in the Family Life Center. And we rehearse because I'm going to say, Gene, now listen, In the sermon, I'm going to say this right here. But if I forget to say that right here, flash this on the screen. (laughs) And then if I spend too long here, uh, don't worry about it because I decided on the fly to cut what I was going to say. (laughs) And we have to rehearse, and there's hours of preparation ahead of time. And then we go home, and you go to lunch, and I go to lunch. But then Mike Williams and Fred uh, Kelly take what we've recorded and they put it online so that the worship experience that you and I've had will continue through the week for those who could not be with us. So when I hear the words in Psalm 33, verse 3, play skillfully, I hear the words, don't mail this in. Don't do this by accident. It's worth every moment, every ounce of energy all through the week to prepare so that in that one moment, on that one hour that you share with one another, you're able to do something that lifts up before God and attempt to let God know how worthy God is. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully, which means prepare. Prepare. But there is a last part of this text, this verse that we just went through. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Now, shout for joy clearly has something to do with singing. Audibly, visibly, shout for joy, right? fact is, it is a call for us to lift our voices, to sing with everything that's in us, to sing. You know, earlier uh, in our lives, we were in a gospel choir and the gospel choir leader taught us, you can sing a lie just as easy as you can tell a lie. And the old saying is, when you sing, you pray twice. So when you sing, if you don't mean it, you can lie twice. For example, earlier, we sang, and Glenn, what's the, what's the key that we were in? Praise, is that somewhere close? Yeah. So it was like, uh, praise, what's the other words? Yeah, praise to the Lord, the Almighty. That's the song we're singing. But here's 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 what's possible if we come in here mailing it in. <sighs> praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, <laughs> for He is thy health and salvation. Let the amen sound from his people again. What, what, what? Do we believe what, what we are singing or, or do we not? Uh, praise to the Lord. Oh, let all that is in me adore him. All that has life and breath come now with praises before him. And let the Amen sound from his people again. Gladly forever adore him. When we come to sing, we have to sing with everything. Shout aloud. Oh, come on. All right. Come on. Yeah. But I hope what you are clapping for, my beloved sisters and brothers, is yes, what I'm saying is true. That we must sing with everything in us. I don't care how how it sounds. But we sing to make a joyful noise before the one who is worthy. By the way, in the contemporary worship service today, you sang a song, it's one of my favorite songs, King of My Heart, right? Right. <laughs> and in the in the family life singer, they sang King of My Heart. It's a beautiful song. Let the king of my heart. Da-da-da-da-da. That's a tune that, but interesting. Did you notice in your worship guide, this was an absolute mistake? We could not have planned this, I promise you. Under the contemporary section, <laughs> it says, Kind of my heart. <laughs> it was just a typo, but is that not possible that we can show up here and, uh, you, you got kind of my heart, Lord, but not the whole part. You know, just, there's and the part, there's a chorus in that song that's like, you are good, good, oh, oh. there's That's part of the chorus. It's like, you are mediocre, mediocre. That's how we summed it, oh, oh. You are average, you're average, no, you are meh, meh. Right. If we are to sing aloud with everything that is in us, that is what I call excellence in worship. To be real, to be fully present, to lay it all out, and to not be here by accident, but to prepare and give the very best we have before the only one worthy. Can the church say amen? Amen. Yes. Let's pray. God, we stop for a moment just to acknowledge that uh, everything we're saying is true. It's just we barely ever truly live up to it. We, We recognize sometimes we can mail it in, we can dial it in, we can actually be here and not really be here. But for the time remaining, right here and right now, we pray that you would listen to what we have to sing to you. We pray that you would see what it is that we have to give to you. And somebody here this day, Lord, may be on the very verge of stepping forward into a new realm of their life. They may be on the very verge of singing a new song, not musically, but literally giving you some new part of their heart. And I pray as we sing, as we prepare for this invitation, Lord, your Holy Spirit would so stir within the hearts of your people that someone moves forward today and is never the same because of it. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of life. Amen.